Listening to the Touch 'em Up podcast. I'm your host, Double M, and on today's episode, we have WWE Money in the Bank 2021 preview and predictions. This card is coming to you this Sunday night, July 18th, with the first WWE pay per view with live crowds since WrestleMania 37. Coming off of the back of the first SmackDown. Show with a live fan since the beginning of the pandemic era in March or April of 2020. And what a car do we have for you here? It is the universal championship match between the champion, the, the, the tribal chief, the head of the table, Roman Reigns, defending his championship in a one-on-one match against the 2021 Royal Rumble winner, who should have gotten his one-on-one match at WrestleMania 37, but was thrown into a triple threat alongside Daniel Bryan, that is the rated R superstar edge. And then for the WWE Championship, you have the reigning, defending, almighty leader of the Hurt Business, Bobby Lashley defending against the former WWE champion and leader of the New Day, Kofi Kingston. Aside from that, you have two Money in the Bank ladder matches where the winner gets a contract to challenge for a world championship whenever they choose. One on the men's side with an eight-men ladder match between Big E, the, the Monday night or the Friday night Messiah, Seth Rollins, the King Shinsuke Nakamura, Ricochet, Matt Riddle, Drew McIntyre, John Morrison, and Kevin Owens. And then on the women's side, where the winner gets a chance to challenge for the women's championship of either brand at any time of their choosing, you've got Liv Morgan, Natalia, Nikki Cross, Tamina, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, and the newly returning Zelina Vega. So without any further ado, let's get this started and step into the ring. All right, everybody, WWE is back on the podcast with, like I said, the first WWE pay-per-view with fans since WrestleMania 37, and one of, if not the most exciting pay-per-views of the year, aside from SummerSlam, the Royal Rumble, and WrestleMania, that is Money in the Bank 2021. Man, I'm super excited for this show. I was really into SmackDown last night. Um, Having the fans back was great. I thought that it was fantastic. I thought that the energy they brought was great. Um, We had returns of, you know, the guys like the Prince, Finn Balor, making his main roster return after being down in NXT for around two years. He made his way back up to the main roster, and he is a member of the SmackDown brand. Um, I really like that move for Finn. I am so happy that they decided to put him on SmackDown and not go Back to Monday Night Raw. I think you add him to the roster with the likes of, I mean, you've got the Monday, you've got Seth Rollins, you've got Roman Reigns, you've got Rey Mysterio, you've got, um, you know, there, there's tons of guys on there that he can have good feuds with. And I'm really excited to see where he goes. I mean, if the draft that's coming up in August does end up sending Jeff Hardy over to SmackDown, you could have Jeff Hardy and Finn Balor. You can have just so many matches that I can't think of off the top of my head right now. But 
Um, I'm really intrigued to see what they do with him. He debuted by attacking Sami Zayn after he was calling out um, the WWE Universe and the and the SmackDown roster. He came out, hit him with the uh, it's 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 not a sling blade. I forgot what he calls the move where he uh, holds them in like the headlock and then spins and knocks them, takes them down with his elbow. I can't think of the name. It was it was a move that the Hurricane used um, back in the day called the. I believe he called it the Eye of the Hurricane. I, I could be wrong again. You know, forgive me if I'm wrong on the names. But him coming back to the SmackDown roster on the first post-pandemic WWE weekly show uh, was great. And I cannot wait to see what they do with him. I think that there is something they could do with him leading into Money in the Bank. But we will get there when we get there in terms of these predictions. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I haven't talked about WWE in a while on the podcast, you know, not because I haven't been keeping up with it. Um, that is partially the reason I'm not going to lie. It's been pretty hard to keep up with the weekly shows. And I didn't want to come on here and give you predictions on, you know, a pay-per-view when I haven't been tuning in every single week when I haven't been keeping up, but definitely expect more wrestling on the podcast. Definitely expect more pay-per-view predictions, pay-per-view reviews. Um, look for AEW Dynamite and AEW show reviews as well. That is something I'd like to bring into this podcast slowly but surely. And definitely something I'd like to talk about is Fighter Fest. So that will probably be on the next wrestling-based episode of the Touch Em Up podcast. So keep a lookout for that. That is coming very, very soon. More than likely, um, probably maybe by the end of this week, maybe Monday. I'm going to probably shoot for Monday. We're going to try to run the AEW review on Monday. So we'll see how that goes. Um, just to review fighter fest night one. And, uh, yeah, I think that this money in the bank, the men's money in the bank match is the most stacked and exciting lineup of talent that we've had in a money in the bank match since its inception. I'm not saying that at certain points there haven't been bigger names. I'm not saying that at certain points there haven't been guys who, you know, really, really made a match great. But from top to bottom, I mean, Biggie, Seth Rollins, Shinsuke Nakamura, Ricochet, Matt Riddle, Drew McIntyre, John Morrison, and Kevin Owens. That is going to be a phenomenal Money in the Bank match. 100% this is definitely going to be one of the best and most exciting, high-flying, risk-taking, huge spots. I expect them to pull out all the stops in this Money in the Bank ladder match. And hopefully... Um, it goes on right before the main event. You do this, and then you do Roman versus Edge for the Universal Championship. Um, we've got a pretty decent card. There are some matches on here I don't really think we need. Um, mainly the two matches we're going to start out with, but the championship matches for both Raw and SmackDown, the WWE and Universal Championship matches are great. And uh, there's there's some storylines built into that WWE Championship match, you know, going off of the Hurt Business and the New Day and, you know, yeah, MVP saying that, you know, nobody really cared about Kofi in the New Day and that he's better on his own and he's done way more on his own and he can leave behind Biggie and Xavier because there's no reason to keep them. They're holding you down. They haven't done nearly as much as you. And Kofi fighting back saying like, you know, you're not doing much for Bobby Lashley and he couldn't do it on his own if he didn't have you. And and just going back and forth. And then we had the um, – well, well, we'll get into all that when we get to the prediction, but – Let's start it off. I mean, why, why are we sitting here talking about the past when we can talk about the present? First up on the card, we've got the Raw Tag Team Championship match between AJ Styles and Almost the Champions versus the Viking Raiders, Eric and Ivar. Um, Almost and AJ Styles retain here. 
Um, this is eventually going to lead to AJ versus almost in a singles match and almost probably destroying styles and becoming the new, you know, big man in the WWE kind of taking the place of Braun Strowman since Strowman is no longer in the company. I expect them to look for, to make big things with almost not now, but in the future. And I think it starts off with AJ and almost, um, almost turning on AJ styles and then just beating the crap out of him, you know, dismantling him, making him seem like he was nothing, and then he moves on to bigger and better things after getting that big win over Styles. However, I don't expect the turn to happen here. I think AJ Styles and almost retain the championships over the Viking Raiders. I think they go here, they retain the titles, and then leading into SummerSlam is when we get the AJ Styles versus almost match. Um, look for it on the, the weeks after Money in the Bank on Raw to lead up to more dissension between AJ and almost, and then eventually just almost snapping and uh, beating the crap out of AJ Styles and then costing them their tag team titles. So, But for the prediction for this match, I'm going to go with AJ Styles and almost to retain the Raw Tag Team Championships. All right, up next, you've got the Raw Women's Championship match between the champion, Rhea Ripley, and the challenger, who seems to always be a challenger for the women's titles, whether it's Raw or SmackDown. That is the Queen Charlotte Flair. Um, I'm not interested in this match at all. We've seen it before. Um, we saw it at WrestleMania. I believe we've seen it a couple times after that. Um, I like Rhea Ripley as the champion. As I said, I have not really been keeping up much with Raw or SmackDown, but um, I have heard that she has been getting stale, according to some fans, and just, you know. But the answer is not to give the belt to Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair could not have a belt for a year, and she would still be towards the top of that women's division because – Whenever they need help, whenever they're lacking star power, whenever they feel like they need somebody to take the reins, they're going to give it to Charlotte because she is one of the best in-ring performers in that women's division. She is one of the best women's wrestlers in the world and definitely one of the most technical women's wrestlers there is in all of the WWE. So there's no no knock on her for how good of a performer she is and how good of an in-ring performer slash wrestler that she is. She's phenomenal. She's great. She doesn't make many mistakes. She always tends to uh, show out in her matches. That's not the problem. She does not need another championship. I could definitely see them giving the belt to Charlotte here. I just have this weird feeling that every time I think that they're not going to give the belt to Charlotte, they end up giving the belt to Charlotte when she doesn't need it. So I'm going to go tentatively with Rhea Ripley here to retain. I think she holds onto the belt a little bit longer. I think she gets a big feud at SummerSlam, and that's probably where she drops the title, maybe to a Becky Lynch um, maybe to somebody from SmackDown, you know, moving over to Raw, maybe a debut, a, a debutant like uh, Shotzi Blackheart, maybe the, well, Tony Storm's going to be on SmackDown, and I believe Shotzi's on SmackDown, but they can always change up the brands. You know how WWE is, but I'm going to go with Ripley to retain here over Charlotte Flair. I'm not very confident in that pick just because, you know, with Charlotte, you never really know you know, she could be losing and then just win the championship out of nowhere. She could be on a losing streak and then win the title and then, you know, defend it once and drop the title. It's just, I don't know. I'm never really confident ever picking against Charlotte Flair because she does seem to always be the person to hold that title when it comes down to it. Um, we're going to go with the, I'm going to save the money in the bank matches for the final two predictions, the men's and the women's. Next, we're going to go to the WWE Championship match between the almighty Bobby Lashley defending the championship against Kofi Kingston, the former WWE champion. And um, I think the story going into this is good. I think that, 
you know, they're making Lashley kind of doubt his ability without MVP by his side and kind of Kofi and Xavier kind of insinuating that without MVP, he wouldn't be the WWE champion. And without the Hurt Business, without MVP, you can't get things done on your own. You know, you saw Cedric and Shelton leave behind MVP in the Hurt Business. They ended up having a match against each other, I believe. But now it's pretty much just MVP and Lashley. They're the only two legs left in that Hurt Business. And I think that, you know, Lashley is kind of seeing a little bit that he doesn't need MVP. I think that Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods have kind of gotten in the head of Lashley over the past few weeks with the storyline to a month, weeks to a month and made Lashley think like he can't do things on his own. And if anything, MVP's holding him down. And you know, this all kind of stemmed off of Kofi Kingston or I'm sorry, um, MVP going up to Kofi Kingston and saying like, Hey, um, you know, you were always the best part of the new day. You don't need Xavier Woods. You never needed Biggie. You were always the most successful and they're holding you down and it's better to go out on your own. You know, reach out to me if you, if you, you know, need help in building up your brand and possibly him, you know, MVP trying to recruit Kofi Kingston to the Hurt Business, but he wasn't having any of it. There've been multiple weeks. There was a match on Raw and Hell in a Cell with Kofi or uh, Xavier Woods going up against Lashley because Xavier was always thought of and is still thought of as the weak link of the New Day, the the one with the least potential out of Kofi, Biggie, and Xavier. He was the one that always needed the help. He was the one that couldn't get the singles titles. He's the one who wouldn't be good on his own, so he needed the help of the star power of Biggie and Kofi to carry him and make him relevant. That's kind of the whole story. Um, they did a Hell in a Cell match, a great match on Monday Night Raw, one of the first Hell in a Cell matches on Raw in I can't tell you how long. And uh, Bobby Lashley ended up winning, coming out on top. Kofi, or, uh, but Xavier had some good moments. You know, he landed that walk the top rope uh, elbow drop on, I think it was an elbow drop or a splash on Bobby Lashley through a table. Almost got the win. Lashley kicked out, hit him with a spear, hit him with uh, the hurt lock, and then got the win. But then ended up locking the doors. MVP ended up locking the Hell in a Cell doors and um, keeping. Uh, Kofi on the outside and just letting Lashley beat the shit out of Xavier, which is kind of, you know, where the story kind of started to pick up. And then you've got the segment on Raw where Lashley was like, I should have done this from the beginning. I should have finished you where you started. I'm going to walk in the almighty WWE champion. I'm going to walk out the almighty WWE champion, and I'm going to leave you in a pool of your own blood. I'm going to dismember you, and I'm going to rip you apart. So Lashley's walking into this match, you know, as the almighty, as the guy who's going to destroy Kofi Kingston and make it seem like he never could have been a former WWE champion and make him just look like a joke. And, you know, in WWE terms, this could be one of two things. This could be a kind of Brock Lesnar, John Cena, you know, SummerSlam 2014 style of match where Kofi gets a little bit of offense in, but barely anything. And Lashley just beats him and beats him and beats him up and suplexes and dominators and, and spears and hurt locks. And the ref just stops the match because he can't, you know, he can't stand to see Kofi take any more damage, but Kofi doesn't quit. I think that's probably the best option. Um, it could be a really quick match, which I hope it's not because, you know, Kofi had that really quick match when he defended his title on SmackDown against Brock Lesnar, where he just ran at him, got F5'd and lost in about seven seconds. You can't do that to Kofi again. 
So what I would do is similar to the Brock Lesnar, John Cena, SummerSlam 2014, where, you know, Lashley's just beating him from pillar to post, but Kofi keeps kicking out. Kofi keeps surviving. He gets out of a few hurt locks. He gets a little bit of offense in and then just gets demolished again and gets a little bit of offense and gets demolished again. And then eventually the ref just can't stand to see him take any more damage. And he's in a hurt lock. He passes out. He's probably going to be bleeding and he just throws Kofi to the side like a piece of meat. And he holds the title above his head. If you're going to do that, that is going to lead into a Brock versus Lashley match at, at SummerSlam, which is close to the right option. I mean, I think that is the way to go. But we're hearing that Lesnar's probably not going to come back and he might not come back and they might do Goldberg versus Lashley. Please don't do that. Don't, don't do that. That is the worst fucking shit you could do. That is so fucking bad. Don't do that. Keep Goldberg away from the WWE. We do not need him in any storylines. We do not need him in any matches. We do not need him anywhere near a title picture. Whether you do it for ratings, you have the fans back. You have, you know, Finn Balor on SmackDown. You have storylines you've been building up. You don't need Goldberg. Is he going to spike the ratings? Is he going to help with the numbers? Yes, and I understand it's from a money perspective. But please do not do Goldberg versus Lashley for the title. I don't care if Goldberg wins. You brought Goldberg in against McIntyre. McIntyre won, thank God. You brought Goldberg in against The Fiend. He beat The Fiend. You had him in with Brock Lesnar, which I really liked. I'm not going to lie. I liked the story with him and Brock going into WrestleMania 33. I liked it. I think that was the best work he could have done. You had that scare with The Undertaker at the Saudi show. Um, we just don't need him. He was going to face Roman at WrestleMania, and then he ended up fighting Braun because Roman had the leukemia and had to get better. And just with the whole COVID thing, he wasn't comfortable performing at mania, which is completely fine. But I mean, I just, I don't want it to get to a point where it's Brock or um, Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg. So what you do is exactly what I said. You, you make it that SummerSlam 2014 style of match have Kofi just pass out the matches over. He, Bobby Lashley looks dominant. And um, Lashley walks into SummerSlam as the champion. Brock Lesnar returns between now and SummerSlam. And you get Brock versus Bobby for the title. The problem with that is, let's say Brock beats Lashley for the championship. Do we really want to see Lesnar as the champion again? Do I think Lesnar as the champion was a good idea when it happened? Yes, I do. Do I think he brought a big fight feel to that WWE slash universal champion championship when he had it, when he had the universal title and faced guys like Samoa Joe, faced Finn Balor, um, faced AJ Styles, faced uh, Daniel Bryan? Yes, I think that was a great run. I think it went on very long. I think he had great matches. I think even though he wasn't at every pay-per-view, he was there every other or just it always seemed like a big deal. He held the belt for a little bit too long, but I did like it. But I don't think it's right for him to have the championship right now. They might do it just because the fans are back. But this match is just a catalyst to lead to um, Brock versus Lashley, in my opinion. I mean, we could be wrong. It could be Goldberg versus Lashley. But that's it's leading to one of those two things. So Lashley retains the WWE Championship here and goes into SummerSlam as the champ. But I do expect a decent performance from Kofi. I think he does get some offense in. Maybe he has a close call, lands a trouble in paradise out of nowhere, Lashley kicks out and just goes back to, to whooping on him. But I do expect that this is going to be a good match just based on the story that's been going into it. So I'm excited. One of the matches I'm the most excited for. 
All right, now we're going to get to the Universal Championship match between Roman Reigns, the champion defending his crown, the tribal chief, the head of the table, alongside with his henchmen, Paul Heyman and Jimmy and Jey Uso, defending against the rated R superstar Edge in a match that should have taken place at WrestleMania 37. However, um, you know, obviously Daniel Bryan factored into the story and they did the triple threat match, which was fantastic. The ending to that match was fantastic with Roman pinning Edge on top of Bryan. And um, I thought it was great. It was a great ending to the match. But this is what we should have gotten at WrestleMania, and we're going to get it here at Money in the Bank. Roman Reigns defending against Edge. Now, going into this, Edge did win the Royal Rumble. I think he entered at number one. It was either one or two. He lasted the whole time. Um, won the match. Went into Mania. Like I said, was supposed to face Roman in a singles match for the title. It was a triple threat. Roman Reigns came out on top. Roman Reigns is working the best work of his entire career, and which just goes to show you and makes you think, why did they not make Reigns a heel earlier? Now, technically speaking, he was always a heel because nobody really liked Roman. Everybody was booing him. Everybody was sh shitting on him every chance that they got. But his in-ring work in his career really could never be questioned. He always puts on good matches. But heel Roman is another level. Heel Roman is the level up. It is the boss fight of Roman Reigns. He is the big, almighty heel, you know, persona on SmackDown. He is the king. He is the tribal chief of Friday nights. And he's doing the best work of his career as the universal champion. He's been champion for almost a year or maybe a little bit over a year. He won it at payback in 2020, which was right before the pandemic, I believe, or right when the pandemic started. Um, he's been champ for over a year. It doesn't seem like that um, because he's putting in such good work. He's got such good promos. The, the, the dissension between him and the Usos and then finally getting them to join the dark side and, you know, being alongside their, his brother in arms, you know, the bloodline, Roman, Jimmy, and Jay uh, with Paul Heyman as the, the leader with Brock Lesnar not being here. It's just great work. And leading into this story, I mean, you know, you had Edge, attack Roman or attack one of the Usos. I believe it was a J. I think it was Jay Uso. He attacked with the, um, he broke the leg off on the chair. He put it in between their mouth and held it in a cross face and, you know, tried to rip his face apart. And then just this recently, this past Friday night on SmackDown, he ended up doing the same thing to Roman Reigns, you know, hitting a spear after he got speared by Roman himself, um, breaking the leg off the chair and locking in that cross face and getting Roman to tap he tapped out. Even though it wasn't a match, he got the upper hand at the end of Friday Night SmackDown and the go-home show to this Sunday's Money in the Bank event. This this is great. This is going to be fantastic storytelling. This is going to be a great match. There's no doubt in my mind. This match is going to steal the show. And when it comes to picking a winner, I could see them choosing Edge and having Edge beat Roman but just to give the fans a shock, but I'm not going to go with that. I think Roman Reigns retains his championship. I do not think it's the right time to take the title off Roman yet. And that's something I never thought I'd be saying, but his work as a heel is phenomenal. His mic work, his, his in-ring work, you know, just the stories he's able to tell in his matches and the character he's able to portray with this tribal chief and head of the table is the best work he's ever done in his career, bar none, you know, second to none, the best work he's done times a million. And it doesn't feel like he's been champion for a year. And when a champ can hold a belt and hold a brand down for a year, 
and elevate that brand. Roman Reigns is the face of SmackDown. He is SmackDown. And he makes it seem like these matches are so important. I cannot wait to see Roman defend that Universal Championship every time out because he puts on great performances in the ring. He makes matches look closer than they are. He, he tells a story with his body, and he's just a fantastic performer. And I can't give Reigns enough credit for how good he's done in this run as Universal Champion and as the heel Tribal Chief and head of the table. And right now is not the time to take the belt off of him. Even the winner of the Money in the Bank, depending on, it doesn't matter what brand they're on, they do not cash in here. You do not have them cash in at Money in the Bank. You have them wait. And I think Roman defends the belt here. I think it's leading to an edge versus Seth Rollins feud. There has been some, you know, work between them, some dissension between them. And, um, you know, you've seen the story kind of get built up and he's like, I don't want to do to you what I did before, or what I did to your pale Christian and actually end your career. Like I almost did back in 2015, they're building to edge versus Rollins for SummerSlam. So there's no way edge wins the belt here because it's gonna Roman keeps the belt. And then edge goes on to focus to Seth Rollins. They've been slowly building towards it and it's going to happen. So my pick is Roman Reigns to defend the universal championship here against edge. Um, probably with a Seth Rollins interference, um, I could see it ending in a no contest or a DQ with Rollins getting involved. I could see there being a ref bump, Rollins pedigreeing Edge and uh, curb stomping him and then having Roman crawl on top of him and get the finish, get the pin, one, two, three. And then uh, Roman moves on to face somebody else who I we can talk about in a little bit. And Edge goes on to focus to Seth Rollins. And that's what I think is going to happen. So Roman Reigns defends his universal championship. All right, up next is the women's Money in the Bank ladder match. You have the field of participants being Liv Morgan, Natalia, Nikki Cross, Tamina, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, and Zelina Vega. Um, I think this is a great field of competitors for this match. I think there are a few potential winners. Um, if I'm going to narrow it down, we've got eight competitors here. Or seven, I'm sorry. I might be missing one in my lineup, but you know, seven competitors for the women's money in the bank ladder match, um, out of the entire field of Morgan, Natalia, cross Tamina, bliss, Oscar and Vega. I narrow it down to a potential three winners, Liv Morgan, Alexa bliss, or Zelina Vega. Nobody else wins this match. Oscar doesn't win. She doesn't need it. She already won a money in the bank. Tamina, no point in having her win. Natalia, I could see it, but there's really no point in that either. And then Nikki Cross with her terrible superhero gimmick. I don't even want to get into it. It's stupid. It's dumb. I don't I don't want to discuss that at all. So Liv Morgan, Alexa Bliss, or Vega. I think Vega is a good option as a surprise. She's been losing on SmackDown. She came back to a debut, lost right away, has been losing the past couple weeks. I could see her winning as a shock, but she's my least confident pick. Alexa Bliss has won the money in the bank before, but having her win the money in the bank as, you know, the fiend's henchwoman and the, you know, the dark Alexa Bliss and Alexa's playhouse and Alexa's playground. Um, I could see her working it into a feud or just working in with the fiend. When the fiend comes back, I could definitely see that working out. And I think that is something we could see, even though Alexa seems to hold all the power and all the cards when the fiend does decide to come back. But my pick for this match, I'm going to go with Liv Morgan. 
I think Liv Morgan wins the Money in the Bank briefcase. I think that that is a great option for the Money in the Bank briefcase. It's somebody who has not held, you know, the women's, the Raw or SmackDown championship or the women's championship. It's somebody who hasn't really done much in her career as a woman on the WWE roster. I think her winning that Money in the Bank and cashing in on possibly a Rhea Ripley, possibly a Becky Lynch when Lynch comes back. Um, I know a lot of people are saying Becky Lynch is going to return in the women's money in the bank and win. And I could see her taking out a competitor, returning in the match, getting the briefcase and winning, but I'm not going to go with that. I could see it as a surprise. I definitely think it's over a 70% chance that that's what happens. But I think since they threw um, Tamina into the match, it was either Tamina or Natalia that they threw in as the mystery or to be announced competitor. Um, I do not see that happening. I think that Liv Morgan gets the briefcase here. I think she gets the briefcase. I think she goes on, and when she cashes in, she becomes the next uh, SmackDown Women's Champion. I think she definitely takes the belt off of either Bianca or um, or Bailey, or takes the belt off of somebody. So. Um, I definitely am going to go with Liv Morgan to become your women, 2021 Women's Money in the Bank winner. I think that is the best option. And then going into the Men's Money in the Bank ladder match, you've got a match between Big E, Seth Rollins, Shinsuke Nakamura, Ricochet, Matt Riddle, Drew McIntyre, John Morrison, and Kevin Owens. This is a stacked lineup. Like I said, one of the best lineups in Money in the Bank history. 100% one of the best matches we've ever seen. One of the best. I think this is going to be some of the craziest spots we've seen in Money in the Bank. I think it's going to be crazy. I think a lot of people are going to go through ladders. I think people are going to go through the announce tables. I could see people getting tossed off the stage, you know, shooting star presses, 630s through ladders, through tables, you know, epic wipeouts and you know, falling outside of the ring onto two tables while you're on top of a ladder. I think we're going to get a lot of spots here. Um, I, there are a lot of choices in this Money in the Bank match that could win. And there's a lot of people that it would do really, really good for. Um, I'm going to go right out and say it. A lot of people are picking McIntyre. Based off of WWE's logic and booking, I 100% could see that happening. And I would not be surprised. But I'm not going to pick him just because I could see him going over to SmackDown and cashing in on Roman. That's the only reason he would take this briefcase would be to get the briefcase and then say, I told you, Roman, I'm going to get another shot at you. I'm coming over to SmackDown. I'm going to cash in on you. He maybe gets drafted over to SmackDown in the upcoming draft at the end of August, early September. And then you get Roman ver or Reigns versus McIntyre, too. You know, I guess it's not the only the second match that they've had, but you, you catch my drift. I think that that is what they're probably planning on doing. But taking that out of, you know, taking that out of commission, I'm going to go through the the uh, field of competitors and explain why I think this person's not going to win, why I think they could win, and I'm eventually going to narrow it down to my top three out of the eight-person field. So. Starting with Kevin Owens, um, I do not think he wins. I don't see a reason for him to win. He's already faced Roman multiple times. If he goes over to Raw, cool, but really no point in having him win it. Um, and I actually think he might get replaced, which is something I'm going into. Kind of a fantasy booking thing. It's my second option for a winner. 
um, in my official pick, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, John Morrison, I think that'd be a great pick. Um, I don't think he's done anything since he's come back, really, in the WWE. I mean, teaming with Miz, cool. Having the tag team championships, cool. But, you know, he hasn't really done anything, and the storylines he's been in were just kind of shitty, and there's really nothing that he's been doing, which is a reason I don't think he's going to win, but he would be a great surprise pick to win the money in the bank, but I'm not going to pick him. I just don't think there's enough there. I do think he can win and then maybe, you know, have some dissension with the Miz and, and kind of break apart from him and become the singles guy. We know he can be, but I'm not going to pick him. I would love to see it happen. I would, I would mark out for a Morrison money in the bank win, but I don't think it's going to happen. So we've covered Drew, we covered Kevin Owens, we covered Morrison. That's three out of the way. Um, let's go next to Big E. I see a lot of people picking Big E to win the money in the bank. A lot of people. And I 100% think it could happen. I would not be shocked in the slightest. I think that Big E um, could win the money in the bank and cash in and you know do great things with it. But I just don't really see Big E getting this briefcase right now. Yes, I think there was some some you know rumblings of him talking to Paul Heyman on SmackDown and you know kind of trying to lean maybe hint towards a Roman and Big E feud, but I think it'd be a great pick. I think he would need it to get to that title, but I also think Big E could work his way up kind of like Kofi did but not take as long to get a chance to fight for that belt on his own. So that's why I, ah, god, I could see Big E but I'm not going to go with him either. I just I, I think there's a better option here. Um, Seth Rollins, I was going to lean towards him. He was going to be my pick or my second most confident pick, but seeing that he was on SmackDown and he was the guy to take the briefcase off of the hook at the end of SmackDown, if you guys know, when somebody takes off the briefcase at the go-home show, they never win. So I would love to see it. I think Rollins with that briefcase going into a feud with Roman Reigns, cashing in on him, and you know heading into a feud with Edge, Roman, and Seth, I think it'd be fantastic. I think it'd be poetry in motion. I think it would be great, and I would love to see Rollins with that briefcase on SmackDown. I'm not going to go with him either. Um, you know, Ricochet, I'd like to see it happen. I think I already talked about him. Um, I'd love to see him win. I would mark out. Uh, this is what I mean when I say there are so many guys in this match that I think could win, and I'd love to see win. Ricochet's one of them. He's the perfect dark horse pick for this match. Um, the two biggest dark horse picks for this match are Morrison and Ricochet. Either of them winning is a huge upset. It's a huge surprise. You want surprises, that's what you do for the money in the bank. Um, Ricochet, I think getting that briefcase and going on to challenge Roman on SmackDown, maybe getting moved over to SmackDown like he should have, during that draft last year, he was one of the guys I wanted to see move to SmackDown the most. It didn't happen. He hasn't really done much on Raw. He had that great match with Morrison in that Falls Count Anywhere match where he jumped through the ladder with that frog splash and you know took out Morrison. But I just don't see it happening. I don't see him winning. If I'm going to go with my head here, I narrow it down to two people. Shinsuke Nakamura and the original bro, Matt Riddle. Um, I think that Nakamura never got his one-on-one -on -one Universal Championship match that he earned by winning that gauntlet on SmackDown. He was supposed to go up against Roman Reigns one-on-one. -on -one. He was supposed to get that one-on-one -on -one match and face Roman Reigns for the championship at the Rumble. 
But then they had that whole story with the the bloodline and, and, and Adam Pierce and Adam Pierce coming out and pinning Nakamura after he got beat down by Usos by the Usos and Roman Reigns. And you know Nakamura never got the one on one Universal Championship match that he deserved. Now you've got Eric Bugenhagen or Bugenhagen, you know, being his rock star and the king Shinsuke Nakamura. He's got his crown. He's He's got the guy, you know, Eric Bugenhagen playing Boogs, I guess. Eric Boogs is what they call him, playing the the guitar as he comes out to the ring. And I could definitely see him winning this briefcase and going on to challenge Roman Reigns. Just because of the storyline going into that Rumble this year. He never got the title match, and I think that's something people forget about because he hasn't done much on SmackDown. He's kind of been lost in the shuffle, but they're building him back up after that feud with Corbin. He's got his crown back. He's the king. He's got Bugenhagen. I think they're slowly building Nakamura back up to a main eventer, and him getting this briefcase and cashing in on Roman Reigns and beating Roman for the championship. You know, he eliminated him at the Rumble in 2018 when he won. He you know, was supposed to get his match with Roman for the title at the Royal Rumble 2021, but he didn't get it. It, it was screwed. They screwed him out of it. Roman and and the Bloodline and Paul Heyman screwed him out of it because they were scared that they were going to lose to Nakamura. They could go all in on that, and it could be a perfect storyline. So Nakamura winning the briefcase is my second most confident pick. But my number one pick for this match, and the person I think is going to win, is the original bro, Matt Riddle. I think Riddle has excellent charisma. I think everybody in the backstage loves Matt Riddle. I think Riddle with the briefcase, with his comedy and his storytelling and his clumsiness could be could do wonders. I think there could be dissension between RK Bro with the briefcase and him maybe trying to give it to Randy Orton, which I hope to God he doesn't do. If Riddle wins the money in the bank, do not have him give it to Randy Orton. That is an awful idea. Even though that's probably what WWE would do, please don't do that. Use this. As a catalyst to have Riddle hold the briefcase for a long time, maybe RK Bro beats AJ and almost for the tag team titles on Raw, and then you know he still has the briefcase. Randy doesn't have anything. It leads into kind of like a dissension for um, you know dissension between RK Bro. They go into a feud. Riddle beats Randy, and then he eventually cashes in on whoever the WWE champion is at the time and you get Matt Riddle as your WWE champion. I think Riddle is the number one best pick to have win this men's Money in the Bank match. I think just his charisma, his in-ring ability, the storyline with Randy Orton and RK Bro, I think it can all tie into that. I'm a little nervous to pick him as my number one pick to win the men's Money in the Bank ladder match, but just because I think if he won, he would give it to Orton in the whole storyline, and I, I don't like that idea, so I'm a little bit weary in picking him. But my number one pick based on the field we're given and the, the official field is Matt Riddle. I think my, my pick to win the 2021 men's Money in the Bank ladder match is Matt Riddle to hold that briefcase. Now, what I was talking about before is my dark horse pick. There has been dissension between Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. They've always kind of had dissension. They were together for a while as a heel, then they broke up. And, um, you know, Sami was the heel and Owens, blah, blah, blah. You know, Finn Balor came back to SmackDown this past Friday and he came in and he attacked Sami Zayn. He looked like a face, but I have a feeling we're still going to get heel Finn Balor. I think we still get a heel Prince Balor. We have to get that on the main roster. And here's where you start it. He already attacked Sami Zayn. Who's the second closest person tied into Sami Zayn on that roster? 
Kevin Owens. You have Finn Balor take out Kevin Owens before the Money in the Bank ladder match. Say, oh my God, Owens was injured. We don't know who's going to take his spot. The Prince Finn Balor goes into that match as a heel. He took out a face Kevin Owens. He takes his spot in the Money in the Bank. He gets to the top of the ladder and he grabs that Money in the Bank briefcase. And he wins that Money in the Bank. He's on SmackDown now. He just came back and came back to SmackDown. He's got that Money in the Bank briefcase. He can cash it in whenever he wants. A Prince Finn Balor versus a heel tribal chief Roman Reigns. And him dangling that briefcase over the head of Roman like, hey, you might be the champ now. You might be the head of the table, but I can take that away with you. The prince has you in his sights and he's ready to take you out. He's a straight shooter. He's got you. He's going to take your crown back. The crown that he never officially lost and had to relinquish due to an injury and never really got the chance officially to go back for the title that he lost, except for that match against Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble in 2019. So yeah, he never really got the chance to, you know, get that title back. I mean, yes, against Brock Lesnar, he got his official rematch finally, but there's still a, a story there and he can go back and go after the universal championship, go after Roman Reigns, take the briefcase back, make him an instant big player on SmackDown after he just returned on Friday. You have him win that briefcase. That's my, that is not my dark horse pick. That's my like fantasy pick, I guess I would say, but I could definitely see it happening. I think they're trying to give big surprises with the fans coming back. They're trying to make it a big deal. He was a huge surprise on SmackDown coming back to the main roster from being in NXT. I definitely think it could happen. So I'm going to give you three picks for this match. My official pick is Matt Riddle to win the Money in the Bank briefcase. My Dark Horse pick is Ricochet to win the briefcase and then eventually get that title match, whatever he wants to do, whether it's on Raw, whether it's on SmackDown. My fantasy pick that I think could happen in my secret surprise pick is Finn Balor, the Prince, to win that Money in the Bank briefcase. Hold on to it for a while, eventually cash in on Roman Reigns and have a feud and eventually take back that Universal Championship and rule over SmackDown as the heel Prince Finn Balor. I just think that the, the heel Prince versus, you know, the head of the table Roman Reigns, it just kind of, works. Everything about that works. They have history. They've had matches together. Balor pinned Roman Reigns in his first match on the main roster or his first night on Raw when back in 2016. He's beaten him before. He had a great match against Roman for the Universal Championship on Raw one night and almost won it, but he lost. They have great chemistry. They have great matches. My my surprise pick is Finn Balor to return, take out Kevin Owens, take his spot and win the briefcase. So those are my picks for Money in the Bank. So official picks for the women's match is Liv Morgan. I'll give you a secondary pick, and uh, that would be Zelina Vega. So Liv Morgan, my official pick. Zelina Vega, my backup pick or my secondary surprise. Um, for the men's match, my first pick, my official pick to win the match is Matt Riddle to win the briefcase. My dark horse pick is Ricochet. And my surprise pick, which I want to see happen, but it's not that likely, is for Finn Balor to take Kevin Owens' spot and win that briefcase and take it to SmackDown and eventually challenge Roman Reigns for that Universal Championship. So that's going to be it for this episode. I think we covered just about everything we could cover. Like I said, WWE was going to be back, and I meant it. This is the first of those episodes. Look for storyline um, you know, coverage 